What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Hayden over Zoom video. The first time we had Hayden on the podcast, it was a little over a year ago, and he had just released the song Can't Hurt Me. It had some major viral success on Instagram and on TikTok. But since the release of Can't Hurt Me, Hayden's career has significantly grown just in this past year. So we recap just a little bit on what we chatted about last time we had Hayden on the show, but uh, we kind of pick up really at Can't Hurt Me. He talks about the next viral success, which was the next song that Hayden released with Sorry to Your Next Ex. And that song had an even bigger moment on TikTok and Instagram Reels. It currently has over 12 million streams on Spotify. So Hayden goes into the success of that song and how that really you know, changed everything for him. Not only having one viral moment, but two in a row. He talks about putting out his first EP, which is called Good Grief. We hear about Flight Attendant, uh, kind of a one-off song that he wrote in Nashville. And he talked about the new EP he has coming out and the most recent single, which is a brilliant song. And it's called Pretty Little Attic. He tells us all about that one as well. You can watch our interview with Hayden on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Hayden. Oh, all good, dude. I... I chatted with you about a year ago. I don't know if you remember. I do. Yes, sir. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, um, I think you had just had Can't, uh, Can't Hurt Me had came out and it had like the viral moment. Mm. Um, but that was like the song of at, at the time. And it's crazy to think because like that was a year ago and, and what you've done since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things have, uh, things have definitely changed. I've changed a lot as a person. Honestly, it's been like the most change I've ever experienced in a year has been this last year of my life. It's absolutely wow. insane. Well, dude, congratulations on all the, on the success. It's pretty Thank amazing you. to watch. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. You've, been here, you've been here since the beginning, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I love the new song that you just released, too. It really hits close to home as a, as a person uh, with drug and alcohol problems that are, uh, that's been in recovery for a long time and, and anything oh, else. Yeah. But um, yeah, dude, I, I, I listen to that. I'm like, damn, like, that could be about me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I felt um, weary of it be, because... I've been like, my father's an addict. Like my, my mother was an addict for some time. Every single person on both of the sides of the family has either died from a drug overdoses or blah, blah, blah. So it's like addiction's always been a part of my, my life. And um, I've, I've so, it has just been such like a part of my vernacular and stuff that people that talk to me, like are quite aware of it just because it's, it's whatever. Um and I just haven't put it into music before because I think it, I always felt taboo about it. Like, who am I to talk about it? And I realized like, I went through a lot of stuff. Yeah. You're the perfect person to talk about it. I mean, you had to yeah. live it on the other side. I mean, a lot of people can talk about it in the first person, but to talk about it as the, 
you know, the, the codependent or the other person on the other end, you know, having to like live with it. That's a totally different approach, but yeah, you, you word it beautifully. I mean, the lyrics of the song are so good. Damn. Thank you. They're, they're kind Nailed of, they're, they're scathing. They're not, they're not super happy. And I also no. made sure uh, that all of the references and stuff are all, are all metaphorical. There just happened to be a lot of kind of, um, alignments between addiction and and being sort of just used as a person i was like huh i just i feel used in this situation this person used me what's another thing that gets used i've got a lot of experience with drugs yeah (laughs) no it's a great song man it's a really really good song. thank you i appreciate i really appreciate that coming from somebody who has experience with it as well uh it, it means a lot i feel like it always means a little bit more when somebody's like hey like i you know i just i just got out of uh, three years of uh, a three-year bender and I'm finally pulling my life back together. Like I actually appreciate you saying this stuff or like, Hey, my dad is not a recovering alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. Like it always means a little bit more when somebody just has experience with it. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's really, really nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, um, I've been sober for a, a while, uh, years. And then I just, re- I, like about two and a half years ago, i uh, I started to just, I was like, I'm going to try like AA or whatever. Like, I'm going to see yeah. what that's about. And um, it's been, it's crazy. Like how you kind of, how introspective and you, you like look in yourself and then you've got, you work these steps and uh, not that I'm some mouthpiece for AA, but like, yeah. you're, like being able to like see that and then see how it affected other people where uh, my role in the whole thing was, you yeah. know, aside of being like, it's all about me and like, you know, uh, being just like an ego, you know, centric idiot. And then like, but hearing you, you know, deliver uh, pretty much what everyone around me was probably thinking, you know what I mean? Like I, I, to me, I was like, like it, it means a lot to hear that because as the person creating the, you know, the, the, the problem, it's hard to see that. And then when you hear it, you're like, okay, like it, it, it takes a lot of just like, self-reflection and then you're like okay like you know noticing your resentments and everything else and then kind of just like letting them go and then hearing you know your side of the story to me it's i thought it was a really really great uh thank you yeah i feel like i was talking i was talking i was saying a lot of things that i i was never like i i haven't said to to my my bio dad and like other people that have directly affected me and like I, I as a kid just because of like the substance stuff and then also just because of physical abuse and other things I was in court ordered therapy and had a psychiatrist and like all these things and I just like I grew up in that environment where you were supposed to unpack your feelings but it was also like anything I said was going to be used in a court case so it was a weird right. kind of connection that I've had to it so I never I feel got the opportunity to gain that hindsight and then just like talk about it. And I, I definitely never got the opportunity to be angry about it and like to be upset about it. And I feel like um, when I, or I felt in my personal experience that when I was surrounded by addicts, it was my job to just keep the, like, hold the fort down. That's it. Like put on a brave right. face, shut up and just like take it because it's not about you. Like they're sick. They're going through a lot of stuff. And it was the it was very cathartic to just be like scathing about it and just like I I feel as though I am a victim of addiction, but was not an addict, which is a weird thing, like a weird kind of connection to have to it. 
Um, so it was, it was definitely cathartic to just like not hold back and just say the stuff. And I have plenty of moments on, on the rest of the project, which is like self-loathing and, uh, and self-doubt and insecurity and stuff. But this was the one song where I was like, I just need to, like, I'm allowed to be mad about it. I'm going to try my best at that. Yeah. Of course you're allowed to be mad about it. Yeah. It's weird. uh, Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a sickness. It's, it's. Like if somebody were to tell, like a lot of people will say, like, you know, if you, if somebody told you, you had, you know, you had cancer and all you need to do is not do this one thing and you will live, you know, you won't, it'll, it'll, you know, and then they would do, I mean, nine out of 10 people would probably do not do that one thing, but like with drugs and alcohol, it's like, all you have to do is not do this one thing and your life will be so much better. And it's like, but your body can yeah, yeah. you that you're going to die without it. Right. And then you just so get crazy. wrapped up in this whirlwind of like, well, nine out of 10 people will, will you know, relapse and go yeah. do that thing. You're like, it's just such a weird, I mean, yeah. It, I looking at it as a sickness. And the physical aspect of it. Like when you go through withdrawals, your body's literally trying to eat itself. Like it, it's convinced that you are killing it. And so it is fighting you in a way that's like, it's not just a mind over matter thing. Like you no. feel that shit. It's crazy. It really is. Yeah. And yeah. it looking at it as, as, as a sickness and a, you know, a, a disease, so to speak, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a different mindset on it, but dude, I love what you're, I love the song, man. I will say, and it really hit close to home for me. And I was like, wow, like you did a really good job, but, Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, but I want to kind of catch up. Like, obviously we, we chatted all about your, your journey in music the first time and where you were born and raised and you lived in your car and you know, all this yeah. crazy stuff. Like, which is was really really uh a, 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 it's a, you had such a unique story um yeah and you, yeah you had uh you can't can't hurt me was out and it did really well i remember it did really well on tiktok and then it like blew up again i think on instagram right instagram mm-hmm. reels or something yeah i i didn't get instagram reels as a feature for the longest time and then when i got it i just like reposted the same video on there and it and it like doubled the numbers from tiktok and stuff so reels have been very nice to me but then to follow it up i think the next single you put out was uh sorry to your next ex right and then that that like just triples at least the streams and numbers i mean to to come out of a song like uh can't hurt me and were you kind of like you know, is this going to happen again? Was that like a fluke or like, you know, going oh, into that next song? Like what, where was your mindset? I'm, I was, uh, I was internally terrified mostly cause I, re- I wrote produced like I wrote, put on TikTok, uh, we produced and put out can't hurt me. Um, and I just didn't have any other song like songs. I was writing a song, teasing it and putting it out, writing a song, teasing it, putting it out. Cause I was a full-time college student. I just started writing songs in the pandemic prior to that. Um, so I just, I, I wrote, sorry to your next X for a songwriting class that I was in. Uh, no they were like, write a song, write a song as if you're writing for somebody else. Like don't hold back things that you want to say. And me as a person, I think similar to pretty little addict, uh, I, I rarely give myself the opportunity to be like upset or to think that I am cool or to do anything. Cause I just, I I'm such a, a deeply seated insecure pe- person as I, I would assume most people are. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote, sorry, your next X in a very wishful thinking way. Like I'm the shit, like I made your <laughs> life, I made your life heaven. And without me, it's going to be hell. Like all these, I just, 
I was like, I want to feel confident after writing this song. So I wrote that for that class. Um, and the class was like, yeah, it's a pretty good song, man. Like, it's pretty good. I like it. And then <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like it too. I think it's good. I'm going to put it on TikTok in my, my typical fashion of talking while playing an acoustic guitar and then just like going right into the song. Um, and it immediately, the very first video that I posted playing the song on a guitar, um, just like doubled all the other numbers. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I think I have like, <laughs> I think my account is broken. That was the first thought I had was like, I think my account's broken. Why is this working so well? Um, but yeah, I, I was worried internally until I had written the song, but then right after it, it happened. So I didn't get a lot of time to worry about it being a fluke. I was just like, once again, oh God, okay, we got to produce the song. I got to finish writing the song. Oh, so like, again, you didn't have it all ready. I didn't have anything, dude. It was, oh my gosh. It was literally a rehashing of Can't Hurt Me, <laughs> except I got, I got to use the hindsight that I had had from Can't Hurt Me. Mm -hmm. uh, to apply to start your next deck. So I think everything just went better. Cause I was like, I just did this literally three weeks ago. So I'm going to do it again, but I'm just going to do it better. And it, and it worked out better for that reason. Yeah. And like we kind of talked about last time, it's like you had the clip and then you had to go back and record the song and then put it out. And then are people still going to, you know, not only like pre-save it and come over and listen to it. And like all that stuff is still like another task, right? I mean, yeah. To have it big on TikTok is awesome or big on Instagram reels is awesome. But it's but not the goal. It isn't. And it's not even like you're it's not guaranteed to draw people over mm -hmm. to another app. I was talking to somebody about this recently. It's like just to get someone to be like, okay, I'm gonna click on Spotify now and like I'm gonna go to leave yeah. an app is like Ugh, like, okay, Dude, like go somewhere it's, else <laughs> it's our version of going like fucking driving to a record store and paying you know twenty dollars for a record it's just like yeah it's like a modern version which tells you how lazy Gen Z is, man. <laughs> right. it's crazy it's like oh i don't really want to like click something else like are you yeah, kidding yeah, me yeah. but the fact that you know over 12 million people or you know you have that many streams on the song like People do it, right? I mean, they left it, and not only that, like even with Can't Hurt Me, I mean, three million times the song yeah. has been streamed, but like to have them go, okay, like I'm going to do that. I'm going to jump over and stream it on Spotify. I mean, that's, that's such a huge accomplishment in itself. Not only yeah. the viral virality of it, but like having them leave an app to go to another app. Yeah, I was, I, I think the biggest thing I learned, we learned in that was actually in the, in the production and like creation of that song, we learned from can't, in, in can't hurt me's case, like I teased it essentially as a Sean Mendes song. That was my way into marketing it. And it was the really the, it was the first way that I had ever successfully marketed a song. Um, and in the production of it and the recording of it, we want, I was like, I'm not Sean Mendez and I don't want people to think I am after listening to this mm -hmm. because on an acoustic guitar, this song very much so just sounds like it could have been one of his. And so I, I was sort of internally fighting that in the production of it. And I think it just wasn't like the best choice for the song. I think that song was meant to exist in the way that it was written. Uh, but, but we were new to production. We were new to all these things, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it translated as well as it potentially could have with Sardi or next XO is like, let's just make this song exactly what it is. Let's make it angry. Let's make it fun. Let's uh, keep it in what I know how to do, which is play guitar and, and 
like pop rock was a, is a very easy thing for me to slip into just because I am a guitarist. Um, and it doesn't feel as much like, or at least at the time, it didn't feel as much like a trend to me because it was like, I've always been a guitar player. So it, I just play, I just make guitar led music and that is still mm-hmm. the case today. Um, and so I, I think it translated because the production served the song better. I think my marketing served the song better. Everything was kind of just geared towards a focused narrative, which is like, I am a guitar playing pop musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. And yeah, I guess in that way, it's just more authentic. I think I did it more authentically. Mm-hmm. And with like, I mean, having two songs in a row do that, like uh, how did that change? I mean, that must've changed everything for you. Imagine, right? You said your your life has yeah. changed so much in a year, and we that was the last time we chatted was when that song the first yeah. was doing well, and like now you've got a, a you have a record out, you've got another EP coming, yeah, uh, and like the music you continually put out has been great and well received, like so. Yeah, thank you um, for all of that. I'm well after Sorry Your Nexus came out, I like started going to parties for the first time in my life, and I did like a very minor mild version of what um is depicted in movies where like a person gets really successful and everybody wants to talk to them and blah 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 and it was my very reclusive version of that which was people essentially just wanted to write with me for the first time and they wanted to know who I was for the first time and I would go into a room and people would know who I was and I didn't have to introduce myself and um LA is such a little bubble in that way where as soon as you leave the city like I, I feel fortunate enough to like get, I get recognized in public, which is a weird feeling just because I think I'm, I'm associated to a very early generation of TikTok where people are like, Oh, I've seen your videos for the, you know, for basically as long as I've been on TikTok, which is really sweet. But most people, including me, like when you leave LA, the bubble is popped pretty quickly and you're reminded that you are nothing. You're nobody. Um, but it was fun to indulge in that bubble for a little bit after after the song came out and and people really cared and, or at least it seemed they cared. And um, that I think is where I felt the pressure that you were talking about. Like, because can't hurt me happen. And the Sardio next six did even better. I had two options and it was like, do I just release something a little bit left of center to throw them off the scent? Or do I like try to top it again? And I felt lucky enough to have two moments in a row um and essentially it was like a two for them one for me situation where i was like i want to make a song that i just think is cool and and that's all it is and, and my next single after sorry your next sex was just that and that was received pretty well considering it didn't have any major viral moments it got like a it had a few videos over over a million or two but it wasn't quite the same moment um but yeah that that was a meandering answer but no was, no that's was- it was a bit no. of fun for a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. I bet. I mean, to, I made to new have friends. that. I ended yeah. my relationship, uh, the relationship that I was in at that time. Uh, so just a lot of change, I think, internally happened. Mm-hmm. And then you ended up putting out Good Grief last year as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right before and we, tour. Yeah, and then you did a tour, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did an opening slot on, um, his artist's name is Scary Pool Party. His uh, real name is Alejandro. And he's just, he's a wicked, talented guitarist, songwriter, pianist, vocalist, like everything. And he did um, American Idol season 16, I think. And he was the love child of that, of that, yeah, uh, of the that golden season, child of that yeah. season. Got and it. 
God, he's ridiculous. And I was such a fan of him as a guitarist when I had first started playing guitar that I had DM'd him in I think 2019 um, on when he was on American Idol. I was like, dude, you're you're a genius. You're amazing. Like, keep doing what you're doing. It's so impressive. He also comes from very humble beginnings, which I, I think I personally connected to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't. I forgot that I had sent that DM until I had met him in person and like i went to go grab his instagram and i saw that dm from years prior wow like (laughs) like worshiping this dude and it was so (laughs) it was wholesome and cute but also like awkward as fuck (laughs) (laughs) oh that's too funny um i know you were talking and i don't even know if you want to get into it at all but uh i remember you saying you had um something with your hands like if you were playing guitar for too long your hands would uh you couldn't play right was yeah. that something that you still battle with? And was that something you had to deal with on the road? I mean, being on a tour and playing every day, that yeah. must, yeah. It was also in a, it was also an acoustic tour. So I was, I was playing every song and doing all that stuff. So it was something I was cognizant of. I would just, uh, so to ans- answer your question, I still do deal with it. I think it's more a problem in, in, stu- in the studio because I'm doing like, 15 takes of the same guitar part just to like get it to sure. feel right. And so it's the repetitivity of, uh, of hand motion and stuff that really messes with them. Um, so, but, but tour wasn't too bad. I do recall just having to stretch my hands a little bit and stuff. And for anybody that does not know what we're talking about, I had <laughs> go back and listen to the other interview. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, I had a hand condition when I was born called trigger finger. And it means that the tendons in my hands were, would essentially be too swollen to allow me to move my hands. So my hands were frozen shut for a while and I got surgery for it. I have scars on the inside of my hands, um, because of that. And I, when I started playing guitar, I was just going to be a guitarist that came back and I couldn't open my hands for a while. Um, and my doctors told me I had to, or my doctor told me I had to stop playing guitar. So I started writing songs and the rest is history. And that's it. Wow. Um, well, I, I'm glad to hear that. It's kind of, uh, you, you, you are able to kind of control it in the, in the, I can gauge it. It's like, yeah. you know, when you feel a muscle about to cramp and you're like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And you like get off of it for a second. You yeah, know? yeah. Then you're like, start stretching it or whatever. It's kind of the same thing. Like I can feel tension starting to build in my forearm and in my hands and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I got to chill for a second guys. Let me just give me a second. And I just do my stretches, maybe ice it. It's all, it's all good back there. in, back in business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've very, you've released what two songs from the EP that's coming out. Is um, the, second one is, the second one's actually coming out in eight days. I'm announcing the release date. Okay, so is flight attendant not on the EP then? Oh no, flight attendant was just a one-off. Yeah. Okay, so well, tell me about that then. Did you have an EP in mind when you put that out? Um, so last year's EP, I, I look back on very fondly and I'm very happy with. Um, it came from a perf- performative place, though. I think I am definitely a guitar-based musician, but I was writing things that I thought people would like. And I was doing things for other people, which is exactly what my life was like before music. Um, and I was just doing a musical version of that, especially with like the initial success of the, of the first couple singles from the project. I was like, ah, like everybody loves it. I just don't want to let them down. That's it. Um, and the last song on the, on last year's project, the title track, good grief was the first song that I 
that I cried while writing. And I was like, whoa, this is a very, I didn't realize music could be emotional. I think I always looked at it like a thinking man's game of, of puzzles and math and blah, 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 which speaks to once again, my life before music. Um, yeah, you were like going to college to be like a, an engineer, right? An aerospace engineer or something like that. Yeah. Aerospace. Yeah. And I treated music as such, but, um, which it kind of is mathematical if you think about it, like breaking totally. it down. Yeah. No, it's totally math. Um, I just, or, and through writing that song and, and then the writing that came after that project before I went on tour, um, I found an emotional thing that I could pull from for it. And I, at first I thought emotions would like cloud the, the cleverness of it or, or make me a bias or whatever, but um, it made the songs better and it made them f- feel more relevant and carry more weight and stuff, which I hadn't experienced before. Before it was just about like being cool. That's it. Even if I was being emotional, it was about being cool and emotional, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so Good Grief was a song that I really felt to my core. And I did that again while writing after the EP, once again, before tour. And Flight Attendant was a song that I had written in Nashville um, with a with a friend of mine over there. And it was a song purely based on the feeling um, of what I was going through at the time, which was the loss of that relationship that um was happening during sorry to your next sex <clears throat> and funny enough while like things were going so well for me on the internet and on the outside it was so great i was just like at possibly the most miserable i've ever been in my uh, in my life and the most uh depressed and just like not wanting to be here and all of these things was was happening while i felt like i was supposed to be celebrating my success which I think is typically how it goes for some reason. It's like the universe likes to. F- yeah, to f- that, the, people yeah exactly. Exactly. You like know? the push and pull. I think it's worse than somebody congratulating you for your success while you feel miserable inside. And I learned <laughs> that at that time. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, the band gin blossoms. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're the guy that wrote a lot of the songs, like those early on that early record, like, Hey, jealousy. And those ones he died after that first album, success he wasn't the singer but he was a, he was a, he was a member of the band and then like yeah. when the second album came out it was i think it's called like uh sorry for, like congratulations sorry for your loss or something like that where it was like that the singer would yeah, always hear yeah. like dude congratulations on the the record like the success but it was like oh sorry for sorry it was like friend. one of those things yeah you know it's like like this great thing is happening and then this other oh. terrible thing happens so it, like it just reminds me like when you're saying that like you're like all this success is happening but like all this you know the the most i'm losing my partner and the, like you know you're just totally. depressed and sad and everything else but you're like i gotta put on this you know wow. smile i didn't know that camera. about that band that's crazy that's yeah a great, that's a great title for a project too um and it's something i gotta i'll look it up the actual name but go ahead sorry <laughs> oh you're good you're good that's cool um yeah i, I was feeling all that flight attendant I wrote just purely off of that feeling uh, of helplessness that I, I feel like I had at that time, which was just watching. Uh, it was partly my life, but also just watching this relationship crumble in front of me. And, and, and once again, trying to maintain composure, I don't think there's anything sadder than a person that is trying to hold it together. Cause like 
why are you trying to hold it together? It's such a human thing to think that you have to, you know, because you're embarrassed or you feel like people are relying on you. It's just such an interesting mix of emotions that creates that facade. Um, and I relate to it so heavily. And so many of the songs on this next project are t- touching on that mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I found an emotional well for me to tap into, which is like, trying to put on a brave face for the other people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, fl- flight attendant was just a feeling. I didn't necessarily care how it, how it did numbers wise. Um, I just wanted to put out a song that showed people that I was able to feel things. And, mm-hmm. and it did that. And funny enough, like people are getting tattoos of the lyrics of that song and they don't do that for any other song, you know, That's wild. That's- streams, but to see that, emotional connection really was inspiring for me. I was like, Oh wow. People really care. That's really nice. I didn't feel like writing that kind of, well, it sounds like good grief. You did that too, but like now you, the faucet is kind of turned on. And then mm-hmm. where did you write the re- like uh pretty little attic, like any, was that those records written in the rest of the EP, I guess, was that when you came back to LA or did you that was, write other um, songs in Nashville? I wrote a lot in Nashville my manager is based in Nashville. Um, so I go, that's where I'm at. That's why I was curious. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I forgot about that. That's yeah. Crazy. I'm from San Diego though. Originally, but, uh, that's what like, I remember. Lived, was yeah, you're a yeah, California yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. And then I moved here two and a half years ago. ish. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, I love, I love writing in Nashville just cause I feel like the pressure is off a little bit. I, for anybody that's ever worked with an artist, like the worst thing you could do is create pressure in the, in, in the room to like deliver something because that is an artist's entire life is like deadlines, delivery content, like treating music like content is just the, is the hardest is the worst way to get something meaningful out of it. So right. I love that in Nashville, like the only thing they cared about was just, was just telling a story. And I, and I love telling stories and all of my songs do in some way. Um, so I flight attendant came from there. None of the song, none of the other songs from this EP or none of the songs from this EP came from Nashville. Flight Attendant was the only one, but I have those songs, love them, and I'm sitting on them for when they just make the most sense. Um, but similar to my last project, I wrote a lot of the songs on this project by myself or with like close friends of mine, uh, just people that understand me and get where I come from. And and care about my point of view on those situations. It's, it's kind of rare for me to write something that I, that I personally love and connect to with a group of random people, which makes me a weird artist, I think by LA standards. Um, so I wrote pretty little addict in LA when I came back right before tour. Um, and I wrote a handful of the other songs in that gauntlet of sessions that I was doing after Sardi or Next X, which is like, people want to write with you for the first time, like get out there, kid, like go into the world and mm-hmm. do stuff. Um, and a lot of those sessions were, were bad because <laughs> it was me being a kid in my bedroom with an acoustic guitar in a different world for the first time. But um, it would spark ideas and stuff that I could bring back and write in my bedroom and do what I typically would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with this newfound vulnerability and kind of intent of digging deeper into myself. Okay. And with, you said in eight days, you're going to release what the next single, are you going to announce that? Cause you haven't 
announced the EP yet or have you announced it? I have not. I have not announced the EP yet. I have talked about it pretty openly, but I haven't like said the release date or the title of it. Um, I'm announcing the next single. I've already sort of unofficially announced it on TikTok. I'm not really precious with TikTok. I think partly because it just gave me my career to, in a certain way. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just tell you when it comes out in the comments. I don't really care that much. It's like, okay. It's not yeah, that I didn't want to like start asking you questions because I have the title and everything, but I don't know. If it's coming, if the next song's coming out in eight days, this will be at. I'll I'll wait and push this out after. So I was curious if you want if you can talk about the new. Yeah, the new yeah, yeah. It's called "You Don't Even Like Me," and it's um, it's one of those that I have been surprised by how much people have liked it in a way because my experience with TikTok and social media is when you go viral for a song and then you go to tease the next song, that next song just flops for the first little bit because it's not the song that you went by just went viral for so it's a little hard to get things to move again Mm -hmm. um and that hasn't been the case with this song um which is the first time that i've experienced that it's like i can just post a video of me walking down the street like very casually lip syncing the lyrics to it and it'll get a hundred thousand views i'm like whoa this is crazy i i've never tried so little and have gotten such good payoff before (laughs) usually it's me like performing like a fucking circus monkey with a while talking and playing guitar and doing 50 takes and all this stuff so yeah you said you used to like uh bring the song into logic and like really edit it right like i mean you went yeah, like, I, full I on production on the, on the videos yeah i stopped doing that partly because acoustic videos i don't think do as well anymore as they used to uh-huh. um but mostly because my biggest problem on TikTok is being too performative and um, performative is the death of authenticity, at least in today's, in today's world. I don't think that makes sense, but like here it totally does. And TikTok is all about manufactured candidness. So um, if I get too much control over the end product or, or over a video, I will make it too perfect. And that is a problem. Um, And it's something that I came to terms with while marketing pretty little at it because it just wasn't working for the first week that I was teasing it. I was like, "Ah, I got this. I'm going to pull up an acoustic guitar. I'm going to talk. Bada bing, bada boom. It's going to go viral. Did not at all. (laughs) Did not move at fucking all. And I had to pivot really hard and um, figure out what wasn't working and why it wasn't working. So Uh you don't even like me is I've been sort of toting it as my most honest song today and and i would say that that is absolutely true um and i it is the first time that i've explicitly i think told people how afraid i am of not being good enough for them for other people around me um and it is that self-doubt self-loathing side that i I haven't really touched on before because i'm so used to either being a victim or being awesome and that is been like the spectrum of my brand up until this point but this song is is not either of those if if anything it is me being a victim of my own thinking and that is is a little bit of a theme for this project is me trying to take accountability for the stuff that has happened in my life like i am as much a villain as the people that i villainize and that's why pretty little addict is sort of unique for this project because it's the only song where I'm like, no, you were wrong here. Right. Fuck you. That's it. Um, none of the other songs have that. And I just, Pretty Little Attic was just kind of like a fun, a fun nod at Sorry to Your Next Text. Literally, it was like, here's an upgraded 
darker, more mature version of Sardi or Next X. Um, and uh, you, there won't be another one on the project, but there are other very fun songs on it for sure. Well, I can't wait to hear uh, you know the, the next ones that you have coming out. Like I said, your career has been so cool to watch, and that most recent little pretty little attic. Like I was like, damn, when I heard it, I was, like the lyrics are great, and just like the concept, like everything about the song, I was really, really like, I was like, wow. Thank you. <laughs> I, now Thank I know you. how the uh, like my my wife feels or how, how <laughs> people yeah. I grew up with feel. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I just. I think that's, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I appreciate you coming back on and, and chatting with me today. Thank you so much, Hayden. This has been awesome. Yeah, totally. I, it's rare to have some, to have a, any kind of full circle moment in the music industry. So this is really honestly sweet. It's very, very cool and wholesome. I think it's awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I hope to have you back again on the next one. Let's just make it annual. man. Dude, <laughs> be, I'm, uh, I'm holding you to that. I'm going to take this clip. I'm going to send it to you and say, look, you said that we can do I'll this. do it. Dead <laughs> out, Let's do it for sure. um, I have one more question. I asked you this last time, but I'm going to ask it again. Uh, if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, I think what I have been, the voice that I've been listening to in uh, most recently has been the one just saying, hmm, what's the best way to put this? I think it's really, really important to be as incredibly authentic as possible. And obviously in music, like I think that that is pretty common, but everybody forgets to do that on the internet. And I think they forget that how you are perceived as like an entire third of your artistry. It's, it's the music, it is the live performance, and it is the public perception. And without one of those, you don't have like a fully developed artist career. And it's really hard to nurture all three of them at the same time. But a, a lot of people are super authentic in their music, but then they feel like a little too cool on the internet to actually put themselves out there. And seeing the internet as a place where people want to connect with you, as opposed to seeing it as a place where people want to ridicule you, um, is incredibly helpful because all that is all TikTok is. It is all Instagram. Any of these things is, is just a place where people want to connect with other people. Think about it like a social club in college or in high school or something. Um, and it'll open you up to a lot more possibilities. Um, it's weird to make the advice TikTok focus, but I think it kind of goes anywhere. Same thing on li on stage. Like, don't be afraid to be you there because nobody else can do that. And you're going to be competing with a million other people. If you're just trying to be the cool, like too cool to, to be vulnerable artists, nobody gives a fuck about that anymore. I don't think that that's what music is for anymore. So that's what I've been focusing on is, is just letting down my walls a little bit because people seem to have, uh, they seem to be receiving it well. 